right, guys, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 11 of Romans. Romans chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 11 through 24. And we're going to continue on in this third section about understanding God's plan. And, and we're going to talk about his divine plan today. When you look at what's going on, and especially if you understand the scripture, you know that at one time the Jews, Israel, was God's special chosen people. They always are, always will be. But it seems like there seems to be something different going on right now because they don't all believe in Christ. And Paul, who is a Jew himself, tries to help us to understand that and to help us to understand that this period that we're in right now in their disbelief was all part of God's plan. It was all part of God's plan. In what way, George? It was all part of God's plan so that another group could benefit. So that another group who really had no part in anything could now have a part. Who are you talking about, George? Well, I'm talking about Gentiles. That's, that's you and I. Uh, unless you're Jewish here and I don't know that, the rest of us are Gentiles from all over the world. And, and the reality is, is that we ultimately, doesn't matter if you try to keep the Ten Commandments or not, that didn't really matter, you try to keep God's law, because you weren't part of his people. It really didn't matter. Our destiny was assured, and that was going to hell. But because of God's plan, he includes us in. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because he does even still have a heart for even us who were not part of his people. And so that's what we're going to see today. We're going to look at verses 11 through 24. And we're going to talk about the opportunity that he takes with the rejection of the Jews. And then the benefit that it has for us. But then he's also going to tell us the future hope. What do you mean the future hope? He's going to tell us that things aren't over for the Jews. They, they still have a hope. And we're going to see that. So let's, let's take a look. So look with me in your Bibles at chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I'm speaking to you, Gentiles, and as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means reconcili the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, are grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, 
but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and severity of God, the severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted contrary by nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? It's an interesting passage. Let's talk about it a little bit here and help you to understand. So first thing I want you to see is the opportunity. The reality is, as I think we all know, that the Jewish people don't accept Jesus as the Messiah. We all know that, right? There are some who do. They're called Messianics, Messianic Jews. But for the most part, most of them don't believe. And that is the way it's been for several thousand years now. And, and the reality is, is that when you look at the church, although the church didn't start off this way, the church, if you realize when you look at the book of Acts, started off primarily as a Jewish church. But then after A.D. 70, and especially after A.D. 135, primarily became a Gentile church. And so there's this kind of, I hate to say it sometimes, an arrogance about that we've got it and they don't. Well, Paul's going to kind of balance that out for us and say, now, wait a minute, now, before we become arrogant and boastful, we need to remember that their rejection is for a reason. And that reason is so that you could have the opportunity to what? Believe. That's the opportunity. So let's take a look at it. First thing I want you to notice, verse 11 and 12. Here's what he says. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion be? Here's the first thing I want you to notice. God uses the rejection of one group to bring salvation to all. Because before, the way it was, the only ones who were going to share in the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were going to share in the Davidic covenant, who were going to share in all of the promises that God had given to Israel, were only Israel. Nobody else was included. And the reality is, is now because they have rejected the Messiah, what, the gospel then has gone to who? You and I. And so the Lord uses the rejection of one group to bring salvation to all. That's why you and I are here today. Because salvation came to the Gentiles. Here's the second thing I want you to see. The rejection of Jesus by the Jews is temporary. It's temporary. At some point in the future, it's going to end. At some point in the future, 
And Paul's going to talk about it a little bit later in this very same passage, chapter 11, when the fullness of the Gentiles come, then Israel will be saved. Their rejection will end. And that's exactly what he's saying here, is that if the riches are given to the Gentiles because of their, because of their trespasses, what will it mean for their inclusion when they believe? Do you know what I'm saying? Let me, let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about, okay? So I am a, I'm a parent, so I have four kids. Now, I really can't use my four kids because I love my four kids and I'll do anything for them, okay? And I think we have a good relationship. But let's say one of my four kids loses their mind, goes off on the wildlife, says, Mom, Dad, I'm out of here. Take a hike. I don't need you. And boom, they're gone. And let's say I reacted like some, some people I know, and I'm like, okay, I write you off. I would never write my kids off, but let's say I did. I write you off, okay? You're out of here. They're doing their own thing, okay? What if my child, like the prodigal, wakes up one day feeding pigs and says, it was a whole lot better at home with mom and dad and eating mom's cooking than eating the slop out of the pig trough. And so they come back. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, no, 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 wait a minute, now you can't come back here now. That's, that's not proper. You can't come back here. I've already written you off. You're no longer a part of my, am I going to do that? No, I'm going to be like the illustration of the prodigal, the dad who welcomes back the, what? The child who went wrong. God's going to be the same way. Even though they reject him, listen, folks, they're still the apple of his eye. They're still his special people. Even though when you look in the Old Testament, and we've been doing that in Sunday school, at him punishing them for their sins, he still had a special place for them. And so what he's saying here is, is that their rejection is only temporary. It's only temporary. What time frame, George? I don't know the time frame. God doesn't operate by my time frames anyhow. You know that. He doesn't operate by your time frames, does he? We wish he would, but he doesn't. But God in his grace is going to one day see them all come back to him. And so there's the opportunity. In the meantime, the opportunity is what? For Gentiles like you and I to what? Come to faith. Now, what is the benefit for us? And that's what we're going to focus on here next. The benefit we're going to see here is in verse 17 to 22. First of all, look at 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. All right, so he's going to use the illustration of an olive tree that they all could understand. In the Mediterranean culture, that is a primary food item. Olive groves are, grow throughout the area there. They all would understand that. And so what they say is that you're a wild olive tree. You're a wild olive branch, and you have been grafted into the proper olive tree. And now you share from the root, the root being Jesus. Here's the point I want you to see here, is that we are grafted into the relationship with Jesus Christ. So now, here's what I'm trying to tell you. All of the benefits that Israel had in the relationship with the Lord, 
you now have because you're grafted in. You share in the promises. You share in the hope. You share in the care that he gives. Do you understand what I'm saying? He has taken you, a wild olive shoot, and grafted you into the proper olive tree. And he now supplies the nourishment to you as he would have to his believing people among the Jews. You're included in that. So when you look at the promises now that are promised later on, guess what? They're for you as well. You're a part of it. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 18 to 21. And this is where we've got to be careful. Do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you remember, it is not you who support, who support the root, but the root supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. All right, so here's what I want you to see. We cannot be arrogant about our new standing with God. You can't be arrogant. I'm not a bumper sticker person. never have been. Uh, so you're not going to find one on my vehicle. But there, there is a bumper sticker that was going around a few years ago that just drove me nuts. Okay? And, and, it, was, and it was obvious that the car in front of me was a Christian because he had his fish symbol on. Okay? And that's not what was driving me nuts was the fish symbol. Okay? It was the bumper sticker he had or she had. And, 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 and the statement was, Christians aren't perfect just forgive it. Have you seen that bumper sticker? You're saying, oh, I have it on my car. Don't tell me, okay? Don't tell me, all right? But that bumper sticker drives me nuts because I look at that bumper sticker and why it drives me nuts is it's an arrogant thing to say. It's an arrogant thing to say. Because here's the thing. When we live in this world and you know you're forgiven, yes, you're forgiven. But don't be arrogant about it. You, you live in this world and you know that you're saved? Yeah, don't be arrogant about it. Why? Because up to this point, have you not realized it had nothing to do with you? You have nothing to do with salvation. He's the one who saved you. Now, you responded. Now, you, you prayed or, or you accepted. But the reality is, is he's the one who forgave you because it wasn't because of you and how special you were. It wasn't because of how much knowledge you have or lack of knowledge. It wasn't because of your bank account or lack of bank account. Do you understand? It had nothing to do with you. It wasn't because of what family you came from, what side of the tracks you live on. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with Jesus, Right? And, and his grace, you just saw, we just saw it here, because one group rejected, now salvation comes to who? The others who were rejected, you and I. So because of that, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant about your new standing with others. I think what I'm trying to say is, is what it should elicit from us more than anything is humility. Humility. 
But I hate to say it, I was, I was talking to somebody today, they were, talk, they were asking me a question for a friend of theirs, and, and, uh, and this guy who he's asking a question for has a perspective that all we Christians talk about is judging other people's sins and giving our rules and stuff. I thought that's interesting, that somehow Christians come across as being rule-making, rule-enforcing people who are arrogant. But of all the people who shouldn't be arrogant, it should be who? Christians, right? Because of what? We're sinners saved by what? Works? <laughs> no, grace. So this, this is what Paul's trying to get at. And specifically what he's trying to get at here is Gentiles being arrogant towards Jews. Don't be arrogant towards those branches, Paul's saying. Because it's not because of you, you're here. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, so the benefit is, is that, okay, we're grafted into this relationship, but watch our spirits. Be humble. Okay? Be humble. Here's the, here's the next thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 22. He says this. And we need to be reminded of this. Note then that the kindness and sever the severity of God. So he's wanting you to pay attention to the fact that God is both kind and severe. Here's what he says. Severity towards those who have fallen, meaning those who have rejected, who, have, who are not believing. But God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. Here's what I want you to see. God is severe to those who reject him and kind to those who accept him. Severity, what does that mean, George? Well, severity, the ultimate severity, is the judgment that's to come. But for you and I, he's kind to us. But that kindness is even expressed even now. How? Spirit of God speaking to you, talking to you right now in a service about whatever. Spirit of God guiding you. Spirit of God watching over you, giving you the next breath you have to breathe. Answering your prayers, giving you forgiveness, allowing you to have that wonderful relationship with him. That's the Spirit of God who does that. That's, that's the kindness. So live in it, he says. And again, just to remind you, if you continue in that, meaning don't be arrogant because you'll be cut off. Because here, here's the warning thing. Here's what I want you to see is that we see this in verse 22. If Gentiles don't respond to God's kindness, they'll also be cut off. What do you mean Gentiles? Is he talking about believers here? No, he's talking about Gentiles. Right now, the opportunity is there for salvation to go to who, folks? Everyone. Right now, right? But if we don't if Gentiles as a people don't take that opportunity, what will happen? They'll get cut off. And at some point, it'll end. When? Well, he's going to tell us a little bit later on in this passage that we're not looking at today, but when the full number of the Gentiles happens, when the fullness of the Gentiles. What is that? The full number. It's a point where God says, okay, I have enough. Now let's move on to the next phase. Let's move on to the next stratosphere of what's going to happen here. 
But this opportunity for salvation isn't forever, folks. But you and I benefit. How? Because we responded and what? We're in that relationship. So then he's going to spend the rest of his time here, verse 23 and 24, just kind of bringing it along because he's kind of told us that if we reject, what is it? He's going to turn his attention back to who he needs to. So here's the future hope for his people. And I think there's some lessons here for you and I to learn. Okay? Here it is. Look with me. Verse 23. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief. Okay. All right, stop. Look at that. And even they, he's talking about the Jews, if they don't continue in their unbelief. That is a opening for the reality of grace. When people quit continuing in their unbelief, that is the window for grace to come in. Here it is. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. Remember, they were broken off because of their unbelief. But if they don't continue in their unbelief, guess what? They'll be grafted back in. Okay? Grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. God can do it. Look at what it says, verse 24. And if you were cut off from what, by na- from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Of course he's going to graft them back in if they what? Don't continue in their unbelief. Two points I want to make here. First of all, if the Jews leave their unbelief, they will be grafted back in. If the Jews leave their unbelief, they'll be grafted back in. They'll be back into that relationship. Okay? That's just reality. But here's the principle that I want you to see that is even good for you and I to grasp. Here's the second one, and I'll spend some moment here. It is only natural that God would accept again those who were wayward. It's only acceptable that he would accept back in those who were wayward. So when you look at his special people right now who are rejecting Jesus for whatever their reasons are, mostly because they're blind, he's willing to what? If they leave their unbelief, take them back in. But here's what I'm going to tell you. That is a universal principle about God. What do you mean? Throughout the Scripture, there is grace permeating from the pages of a God who is willing to take back who? The wayward. The people who go off track. He's willing to take if they leave their unbelief. Another way, we've mentioned it already, is the prodigal. Remember the prodigal? He came to his senses. He got his mind back. He came to his senses. It's kind of a way of saying unbelief left, right? He came to his senses. He woke up and he realized how much better things were in my father's house. And there he goes thinking, I'll just be a servant. But the dad, what... I mean, the picture is, it's almost very contrary to the culture. There, the parent doesn't run to the child. The chun Ryle runs to the parent. But the dad jumps off the porch and runs to the child and embraces him. 
Why? Because that's the picture of God. He accepts again those who were wayward. Isn't that awesome? And I think that's something you and I need to take to the bank. Why? Because you could go wayward too, right? And maybe you have. But the reality is, is what? When you leave that unbelief, he what? He takes you back. And he says it's only natural for him to do that. This is why, you know, sometimes I look and they, they, people have this concept of God of being this, this evil being ready to just squash people. That is not the concept of God we see here at all. Yes, they rejected him. They were cut off. But if they leave their unbelief, he's willing to take them back in. He's willing because why? He, that is the essence of who he is, his love for his people. Now, here's the wonderful thing. You and I are Gentiles. We've now become his what? People. And the reality is there. Go to him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, I think two things stand out of here that are pretty, pretty powerful for you and I to consider. And I think the first one is this. Don't be arrogant about your spirituality. Don't be arrogant about your Christianity. Don't be arrogant about your faith. Because it didn't start with you anyhow. It was nothing that you did or were or whatever that got you salvation in the first place. It was simply by coming to the end of yourself and going to him and saying, Jesus, I need you. In whatever form that was, through a prayer or whatever, you went to him. And he saved you. Because you couldn't do it yourself. And it's easy, it's easy, it's easy sometimes, you gotta be, and you've got to guard your heart against it. It's real easy sometimes to, to be so arrogant about our faith and what we believe because we're in a world with people who don't believe anything. And you do have an understanding, and it's easy to be arrogant about that. Don't be arrogant. Because if you didn't have salvation, where would you be? Right where they're at, Right? That's the first thing that comes out of this passage. It's because one group rejected, salvation was offered to you, but don't be arrogant. Here's the second thing that comes out of this passage. God is ready to take back the wayward. He's ready to take them back. And the gracious God who saved you is also the gracious God that's willing to put up with you. What do you mean put up with me? Yeah, well, you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. And you do wrong things. And sometimes in your doubts and in your unbelief, you sometimes do even wronger things. But thankfully, somehow the Spirit breaks through to us and we come to our senses. And we want to go back. And here's the wonderful thing. You don't need to be sheepish about going back. Because he's ready to have that relationship with you again. That's what's awesome here. 
something for you and I to think about. Let me pray for you.